Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's March 15th, 2019. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Do you feel like our show is cyclical? Uh, it might be, mostly uh, because I, I keep opening soda cans in the middle of the show, and I forget <laughs> to open them before the hand. And hacking and coughing and snorting, and we're doing everything we can to distract everyone. It's absolutely brutal, yeah. But, so. we, but we want them to feel like it's an actual conversation that we're... It's authentic. They're, yeah, they're in the room with us. No no heavy editing, no perfect timing. and No, the show ends when it ends, the snorts happen, the burps, whatever. I mean, I've listened to Scott Burp. I can't tell you how many times in my headset, and I'm sure you're hearing it too out there. So, it's it's an yeah. authentic show. Yeah, we'll see how the diet Pepsi goes down. I might work up one here. Yeah, see, I drink a tea. Why can't you drink a diet tea? Yeah, it seems like too much effort. <laughs> Do you rather make the effort of burping in my ear all the show? So what I mean well, by uh, cyclical. So yeah, I mean. what I meant by that was it seems like uh, we're doing the same stories. All the time, just different versions of it. And welcome to the news, right? I mean, that's what it always is. When I was in sports years ago, it was always, oh, now it's time for the NBA playoffs. This is going to last two months. And and then it's always cyclical. And I thought when we got into poker, it might be different. I, mean, I knew they had the World Series every year, and they had some tournaments every year, and we have tournaments and things like that. But I thought it would be less cyclical, but it seems like every time I call up our file, it's a story that we're doing that we've done at some point a variation on it, but like today we're going to talk about awards. We're going to talk about states trying to pass online poker again. And we're going to talk about people doing something else to do in a casino. It's like, it's like, it's the same three stories. Just they're finding different ways to do it. You know, when they say you thought you see everything and then, you know, here, hold my beer. You know, I mean, it's the same thing with this. It's like, hey. Uh, I'm still waiting for you to ask me to hold your beer. So. Yeah. Oh, I always say root before that, though. I say hold my root beer. But uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, launch launch right. into it. We should it. just change the name to the uh, Annie Hub Groundhog Day. That's okay. right. That's right. Just keep yeah. playing the same show over and over again. They won't know. Babe, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, the Global Poker Index has merged its American Poker Awards and European Poker Awards into a new Global Poker Awards, which will be broadcast live from the Poker Go Studios in Las Vegas on April 5th. 20 awards will be doled out, and yep, as part of the nominating panel, though we are not allowed to discuss the list of suggested nominees into the list of fi- finalists are announced, I would hope, in the coming weeks, since the thing is April 5th, so we're only <laughs> three weeks away from it, so. Can we keep our mouths shut for three weeks? <laughs> but then they get back to the cyclical thing, and then that comes, we'll talk about, we should have been nominated or something, and then we'll say, oh, and then we weren't nominated, but we'll still vote, and then we, oh, we should have won, and then, you know, so... This is the same thing, but this is interesting. I knew it was going to go in this direction uh, because one, I didn't really know there were European Poker Awards, <laughs> but I just knew it was. It was just seemed obvious. You that, the American, you yeah. Over well, the global, knew had the American awards. I thought, well, they're going to have global awards someday, and I just knew this was going to happen. Just wasn't sure what method they were going to take. But uh, this, this is good news, right? I, worldwide well, sport, yeah. worldwide I mean, winners. I, I think you're right. It, it it this is where it probably needed to go. I mean, I. I Spent a lot of time on the American Poker Awards website, and I so I knew they had a, a European Poker Awards. I didn't pay much attention to it because, again, I'm an ugly American just like you. Yep, you are. Can't wait till I go to Italy in two weeks. You're more <laughs> ugly than me. Um, and uh, so, yeah, not surprised that it it, it went this way. Um, and you know, in some sense, it unites the world around poker. Um, the other sense is that you know, the more the different kinds of awards you have, the more people get honored. So, fewer people are going to get honored now. Uh, but it's probably going to mean something more to those that do, right? I oh. guess so. I guess so. It just I, 
I just hope that the you know the panel that we they've assembled, including us us as well, you know, is is well versed in everything, and then they know how to weight it too. I mean, is it as impressive? to win a title, say, in Europe as it is to win a title in America? Is it as impressive to win titles on both? You know, and I'm just saying, it, you got to take it seriously. You can't just be, oh, he's my favorite player, and, you know, because he's, he's in America, I think that's tougher to win there. Yeah. I'm gonna vote for him. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and to your point, I think it depends on the breadth of the nominating panel. So, again, so it works is their, their nominating panel, which we are a part of. Um, and then from there, I think it's the top four in each are the, the official, yeah, not the finalists, right? And then there's a jury that of other folks that I don't believe includes us <laughs> that will decide <laughs> um, uh, those folks. So that that's a good process. Um, but it it is you're right. It's impossible to know stuff. I mean, I was looking at them and I was trying to make the best decisions I could, but there was a lot of stuff on there I didn't know, right? So. I ended up having to gravitate to people and things I did know. Now, that sounds somewhat unfortunate, but if the nominating panel is very diverse and from around the entire world, which I have to assume it is, right? Right. For the poker awards, then that stuff will kind of come out in the wash, I think. Or at least I hope it will. Um, you know, if, if, if I don't know whoever's tearing it up on the scene in Macau and but journalists over in macau know but don't really know what's going on in sacramento california then maybe it all works out i don't know um i don't i don't know what the solution is to that though um um but we'll see well i'm sure the people who are making the final decision will be well versed they they probably wouldn't leave that to chance so i would certainly hope that that yeah that jury is the the creme de la creme and i will not be disappointed if we are not part of the creme right right <laughs> yeah not that creme right <laughs> we are not creme <laughs> Welcome to Annie Up Pokercast. We're non creme. <laughs> um, but, you know, the other thing, too, that I do like about this, and, and where I really like that they're going, is they're broadcasting from the Poker Go studios. Because, one, you know, that gives more um, exposure to Poker Go there, which um, I think that's really going to be a big thing for poker going forward is, is having our own, our own, meaning the poker community, poker community. studio. Yeah. To, um, to promote our game, so they, that's pretty cool. And the other thing is, the American Poker Awards were always in Beverly Hills and a red carpet thing, and ties and suits and everything, and limited tickets, so people didn't see it. People didn't get to enjoy it, right? So now that it's broadcast live, you want to watch it, you can be part of it, and you weren't part of it before. So that part I think is pretty good as well, too. So cool. Good point. We'll see what happens. Yeah, that's a good point. Stay tuned for the uh, the nominees, which maybe will be on next week's show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the West Virginia legislature has sent an online poker bill to uh, the governor with no word yet on how likely it is that he will sign it, making it the state the fifth state to offer online poker. Meanwhile, Michigan lawmakers are slowly advancing a bill that made it to the governor's desk last year before that lame duck governor vetoed it, and no word there yet on whether the state's new governor is more accepting of the bill. Well, I gotta tell you, when when Black Friday happened, and then we all kind of looked for the silver lining, and we thought, well, maybe they'll do it state by state. And then when state by start started, I really did not think it was going to be this slow drip. I mean, this this is slower than releasing Democratic emails during a presidential campaign. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. This slow drip is. I mean, you would think a lot more states would have heard about these bills and said, "Hey, can we do it or can't we do it?" Well, we can't. All right, then don't do it. But even West Virginia, you would think, wow, I, 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 for some reason, I wouldn't think West Virginia was a state that would get on board before, like, say, I don't know, Florida or, <laughs> you know, or I don't know. I mean, Pennsylvania, that made sense to me. Um, how about Oklahoma? No, that ain't going to happen there, but they have Indian casinos there. So so how about, uh, let's see, Wisconsin, maybe? Wisconsin's got, you know, casinos, and they're pretty, you know, free with what they do, and Minnesota? I mean, it just seems odd that West Virginia, and I really didn't think this was going to take this long to get five states pushing seriously to do it. You know, I thought by now it'd be like, all right, look, so many are doing it. Let's really get this in front of the federal, you know, eyeballs and, and get it done or something. It's, it's taking so long. It's so slow and frustrating. Well, again, welcome to government. That's what happens when it's you you spread it out to states and then states spread it out to loca uh, municipalities it's 
it, it just slows down the whole process. It's much quicker and easier to get it through one body of government than yep. it is 50. So, um, so I mean, obviously, we've seen efforts in probably 10, 15 other states to, to get at it, but it just hasn't been able to get the traction there. So, um, I, I guess I would say that I'm a little surprised that, that like you are, that we are this slow in it, but I'm also not at all surprised. Yeah, I know. I know. And, uh, and I just don't know where it's going to go from here. I mean, it's the, the and think about where we would be if the the initial reversal of the wire active <laughs> uh, yeah. decision didn't happen, because yeah. that's really what kind of helped um, West Virginia and uh, Pennsylvania and even Michigan, I think, um, get moving. The other ones were easy. I mean, Nevada and New Jersey and Delaware were super easy on poker because they were already headed that way anyhow. But it was really the the uh, prospect of sports betting that really helped these last couple states and I think are going to help the other ones. Um, and now we don't know where that's going to go. Right. So yeah. if it gets reversed or well, it has been reversed, but if it gets held up, then uh, a lot of the stuff is really going to slow down now, I think, because I think it, it's easier for people to understand. And it's kind of weird to me to say this, uh, maybe because I'm in a poker bubble, but it's, it, it's easier for lawmakers to understand the allure of sports betting than it is poker. Yeah. Or, profit potential of it and um but then at the same time it's easy to, to then go to them and say hey all right well if you're going to allow sports betting hey, hey how about you let our, our buddy here uh, poker in you know he's a good kid don't worry about it he's <laughs> clean him up for himself right no one will even know he's here um so yeah it's um fits and starts fits and starts well so, it's good to see that the michigan lawmakers are serious about it they said hey we want this passed and we did the last governor vetoed it for the wrong reasons or whatever they want or they adjusted whatever he didn't like in it or whatever but they're they're slowly advancing this bill again to get back on there so that i think it's going to be hard for the new governor to veto the same bill that the same lawmakers put in front of them they want that passed and they're, they feel that they're speaking for the people i think it'll get through this time well, yes and no, and here's the thing. Again, we I haven't heard any words from the, the new Michigan governor. I mean, maybe some of our listeners up there that, that follow it a little more closely may have. But um, to your point, yeah. So they, they brought this bill, got to the got to the end, the, the end line last year, and then that veto, uh, governor vetoed it for whatever reason, and now they're bringing the same bill back and trying to address his concerns. And that's one of the things that, that you'll notice in that is, is that he was worried about the competition for their land-based casinos, and land-based casinos are all on board for it now. So, uh, not not that they probably weren't before, but they, they made that a priority now, right? Yes, so, yes, that's the difference but this time. If we don't know what the new governor's thoughts are at all, uh, uh, she, I think it's a she now. Uh, she uh, may have a whole new set of objections to it and then they have to go back and do it all over again so oh, man that's what's so frustrating about it so stop trying to uh, cheer me up yeah but that, that that's my glasses almost empty <laughs> uh but no i i'm with you i will stick with the uh glasses almost full here on this and uh okay. i hope it gets through here pretty soon but um still though it's not bad news that's not bad news it's just we were just nitpicking this slow you know right. the slowness of, of good news yeah yeah all right, a $42,000 flip at the end of a cash session between two pro players two years ago has cost Sugar House Casino in Philadelphia a $30,000 fine and two of the casino supervisors their jobs. Shortly after finishing filming of a Poker Night in America episode of the casino, Doug Polk and Jeremy Kaufman agreed to each put up $42,000 in a winner-takes-all, one-hand, 10-card stud. Happens in our home games all the time. Oh, yeah, every every night. Yeah, you know, I have 42. Yeah, okay. Let's make it 42. Yeah, let's, let's, and, and let's add three cards to the game that we normally play. Exactly. Right, exactly. Uh, Sean Deeb recorded the hand and posted the Polk's uh, very popular YouTube channel where, surprise, surprise, state regulators saw it. And since Ted and Card Stud is not an approved game for Sugar House to deal, um, the casino negotiated a deal with regulators over that infraction, as well as several hands of open-faced Chinese, which they also were not allowed to deal. Uh, they went in and disciplined the supervisors for allowing it to happen, and those supervisors ultimately resigned. Ah, uh, man. I don't know what to think about this. Find the silver lining in this story. I know. Uh, I, uh, I, I can say that uh, our good friend and senior strategy writer, Brent Philbin, really likes Doug Polk uh, and would follow him anywhere if Doug Polk told him to come with him. Um, so, you know, these guys are doing something for TV. They're having fun. You know, I know it was afterward, but I, I don't know. I feel like the the regulations should have, you know, kind of said wrist slap, 
rather than this. But at the same time, I mean, our our dealers and floor people and all that, they're supposed to know this kind of stuff, right? Like, they, they're supposed to know that they're not supposed to deal a 10-card hand, right? They're supposed to know that they shouldn't be dealing open-faced Chinese because it's not – they would know the regulations. Should, would they or – I mean, dealers may not. Yeah, I see a difference here between the open-faced Chinese, which they said went on for six or seven hands before a supervisor saw it and shut it down, uh-huh. um, versus this one-card flip thing, which I don't even think regulators understand what happened there. Right? One, one so, hand, yeah, one hand. One hand flip. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's not like they were they put 10-card stud on the Bravo system and got six people to sit down and, and play this game. Right. Um, in that sense, it was... Two pros just doing what they do everywhere they go and say, hey, let's flip board and oh, let's make it more exciting. Let's do 10-card stud. And you're not thinking clearly in the moment that that is a problem or not thinking that state regulators would go to this extreme to make it a problem, right? So um, I could argue this a whole lot of ways, and that's one I would argue the regulators are overreaching here. Um, I could argue that when you bring Poker Night in America or any of these TV shows in – as the uh, supervisors there, you need to have a meeting and and be sure you know that people are going to be able to see what's going on much more clearly than when TV's not there, right? Right. So therefore, you need to understand everything. Um, I mean, certainly this will be a wake up call to other casinos to uh, to remind folks, you know, hey, <laughs> even if it's one hand, you can't do it. So to that extent, I think it's a good thing that it happened because it it'll keep other problems from happening. Um, you know, it's in one sense, it's hard for me to really criticize Doug and Jeremy because this is allowed in other jurisdictions. And how are they supposed to know that in Philadelphia, it's not right. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for me really to criticize the dealer because then again, like I said, you know, it's one hand, it's kind of something they've seen all the time somewhere else. Um, hopefully not in their casino, <laughs> Uh, but they probably see it in their home games like we have. They probably seen it on TV. Um, they're doing weird stuff sometimes. Stuff, right? yeah. So it doesn't register in the moment that uh, this is a big deal. And I, I'm actually even wondering. It's hard to say now because obviously Doug and Jeremy have already been very contrite in and what's always happened here. But I'm curious as if you went to those players, if you saw it and tried to stop it and did stop it. I mean, you were going to stop it, right? Right. Whether the players would even understand why you had to stop it. Right, yeah. you know, because we've seen this already. I mean, we talked on last week's show about pros getting upset at organizations and stuff, and like, come on, calm down. You know, you're taking this to an extreme. You know, whatever. A couple shows ago, when we talked about the vlogging, right? Right. And just not understanding regulators, where the poker managers are like, you know, I'd rather ex- err on the side of caution, and I'm sorry if you can't do your forty-two thousand dollar flip. <laughs> you know, go to your hotel room and do whatever you want there. But you know, I need to protect my. Um, uh, my casino, so uh, I, I'm not entirely sure that the pros would have understood, even if they tried to shut it down. So uh, a whole lot of—that's why I said no silver linings here. A whole lot of mess. A whole lot of angriness over all kinds of different things here. Um, and the worst part: two people out of a job. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I blame. Here's the thing: when you lose your job in a casino, <clears throat> it's really hard to get another job in a casino because that's that's because you got to get a license and. That stuff sticks with you. So now, now they resign rather than being fired. So I don't, I don't know really how that plays on their permanent record there. But that, that's, you know, I, I tell my dealer friends all the time, or we, when we talk about this community, that uh, you make some mistakes in the poker community, you're done, <laughs> you're, you're out. Yeah. So you know, don't, uh, don't steal from that well. Don't, don't even think it's not five bucks. It's think about your. Hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. That's what you need to look at it as. So, I found it interesting that the uh, the fine was far less than what they flipped for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. I mean, they both put in forty two. Eighty four grand is up for grabs, and they uh, they fine them thirty grand. And that was on doesn't even count the open face Chinese money that was exchanging hands too. But. Which I think was a separate separate group. I think like it wasn't clear in the article I read, so I don't want to pin it on these guys for that. But um, but yeah. Eighty-four thousand dollar flip cost a, a casino that's doing quite well thirty thousand. I don't think that's a big deal to them, but again, two people with their jobs, and that's yeah, that's sad. brutal. So, hopefully, there's a lot of lessons being learned here, and that um, you know pros won't do this stuff, or at least to have a heightened awareness of it. Casinos will do a better job of educating their staff not to do it, um, 
and we'll go on from here. And maybe, maybe it's something that they come back to regulators and say, hey, all right, we paid our fine, we understand why, but maybe there needs to be a little loosening of what <laughs> what this problem was yeah, versus what it is. Or, hey, who knows, maybe Sugar House is going to go get 10-card stud approved, so now they don't worry about You could do that. Oh, it's just so crazy. Yeah. Hey, any updates? Structures have been posted for the Annie Up Spring Poker Classic and Annie Up Poker Tour Series at Gila River Hotels and Casinos Viquiva near Phoenix, which runs March 23rd to 31st. The 10-event series features a four-flight, $360 buy-in main event with a 75K guarantee, the winner of which will appear on the cover of Annie Up and get an entry into the Annie Up World Championship. Other events include a women's championship, horse, Omaha 8, and triple stud, as well as team, rebuy, bounty, and six max events. Wow, that's a real awesome variety. That's really cool. Um, for more information, visit com slash Gila River. That's spelled G-I-L-A, River. Uh, and here's where the Annie Up Poker Tour is going after that. The Annie Up World Championship and Annie Up NorCal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July 6th to the 28th. Atlantis Casino Resort and Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 15th to 25th, and Wild Horse Pass Hotel and Casino, also near Phoenix, November 11th to the 16th. And I know we keep teasing, but we do have a contract out to another property, so... We do. It's less of a tease now. Still teasing. Yeah. (laughs) It's a more confirmed tease. (laughs) This is what we're saying. Hey, join the Annie Up Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Anti-Up Fans. Um, we love hearing from those fans, so if you have a hand of the week or a listener spotlight or call the floor submission, email it to podcast at com or post it in that group, and we'll take it from there for you and put it on the show. Today we get to complete an O'Malley's Move, always my favorite part of the show. Here comes part one. We'll see you on the other side, and then we'll head to part two. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2-$5 No Limit Hold'em home game. This is a pretty serious home game, but it's also friendly. We usually play three to four hours, and this hand occurred roughly two and a half hours into the night. The game is seven-handed. The blinds post, the under the gun makes it $20 to go. This player is a tight, aggressive player. We can narrow his range down considerably. Based on what we know about him, he's doing this with big aces or pairs over nines. He started the hand with roughly 1,000. We get a caller from the MP, and it's folded to us on the button with $945 and the 8 of hearts, 6 of hearts. I like this spot. We have a predictable player raising from the end of the gun with a defined range and a hand that could flop big or be easy to get away from if we miss the flop. Not to mention the pot sweetener from the MP, we call. The small blind calls. He is a solid but tricky player. He started the hand with 1100 He plays aggressively when it suits him, but isn't afraid to push the action with draws, single pairs, or air on occasion. He's good at playing the players and usually knows where he stands. The big blind folds. The pot is $85 and the flop is the king of hearts, queen of hearts, ten of hearts. The small blind leads out for $50 into the $85 pot. After some thought, the under the gun folds. The MP folds quickly. I like this hand especially since our opponent probably didn't flop a higher flush. He may have the ace of hearts, and if that's the case, I want to get value from his draw. We make it 200 to go. After a short time of thought, our opponent calls. The pot is now 485, and the turn is the seven of diamonds. Our opponent now leads out for 300. He has 880 to our 725 at this point. So, is this the value street? Or are we going to let him lead out the river as well? What's the move? Well, you can tell how much I like an O'Malley's move when I just write like a War and Peace novel here, right? So, yeah, it's true. It's like it needs a whole new page for itself. This so, yeah, is ridiculous. You, you can go make that sandwich, go to the restroom, and, and come back, and you'll be fine by the time I'm, I'm done waxing on my philosophical on this hand here. I'm so. already sleeping, so just go. <laughs> All right, regardless of what he has, hats off to our opponent for making this a tough decision for us. His uh, donk bet on the flop means uh, nothing to me, but it is confusing 
when he calls our substantial flop raise and then leads into us on the turn with a card that shouldn't have changed anything. Uh, that action says to me that he's trying to protect his hand. I think queens or kings likely would have raised preflop, but tens wouldn't. We have that beat. If he uh, profiled the undergun the same way as we did, he could be sitting on two hearts as well. And there's not a lot of two heart hands that we can beat that makes sense. Uh, there's no call here for me. It's either fold or shove. I wish I would have had a history with this player that O'Malley has because that's how I make this decision. But I don't, so I'm going to flip a coin, not flip in 10 card stud for 42 <laughs> coin. And uh, it comes down heads, so I shove. Uh, no, no coin flip needed for me. I, I shove. Um, we won't get any more money from him if we just call uh, and a blank hits the river. So if we shove and he does have that one heart, he'll call and we'll have it in good. Uh, we're only worried about a higher made flush, and I doubt that's what he's holding right now. So it kind of feels like a pair in a draw or two pairs. So I'm definitely shoving and hoping that he's got something that will make him happy to call but not happy enough to beat us, and uh, we'll make a big hand out of it. So here comes part two. Hello again. This one took me a while. To be clear, folding was never an option in my mind, but I did have a few questions. If we call here and the river bricks, do we get any more value out of this hand? Can we risk giving him the river at his price? Does calling look weak? If we raise, which would be a shove, what are the chances of him calling? A couple of things go through our mind. If he has a flush draw or some kind of combo draw, I feel like this is our best chance of getting his money in. Additionally, this would give us some protection against the fourth heart hitting the river. Of course, he'd only have to call an additional 425 to win 1085, so he maybe only folds a stone-cold bluff to that bet. Maybe. There might be some draws he lets go of. We decide to shove. Our opponent doesn't think long before calling and tabling the queen of clubs, jack of hearts. Wow, that's a pretty strong hand. The river is the four of spades, and we rake in the pot. Interesting. Had we waited to get value on the river, I'm not so sure we would have gotten it. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes the question isn't whether to fold, call, or raise. Sometimes the question is when to push for value. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, as O'Malley and Chris said, the shove gave us, a, uh, gave us the value that we wouldn't have had there had we waited. Uh, but I still think it was hard to pin our opponent down on that that exact hand there. Yeah, I gotta love when a plan comes together. <laughs> I mean, it was it was uh, pretty much exactly what I was hoping for. He did have a really good hand though. Um, and you he know. played it well, like I said. He did put us to a roll test there with it. So I mean, he had middle pair, straight draw, and flush draw, and royal flush draw. I mean, yeah, open ended straight uh, royal flush draw. Yeah, well, open ended. Straight draw. Flush straight draw. <laughs> but one could be a royal, one could be a straight. But it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty insane. He's not away from. So he's not going anywhere, and we weren't going anywhere, and we got the better of it. So dodge bullets, but it was worth it. Sometimes you have to dodge bullets like uh, Neo in Matrix. <laughs> All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at andyupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Mike Pezzi back in the house, Chris. Yay. And, uh, all right, so it's a 1-2 casino cash game. He says he's relatively new to the table. I've been there about an hour. And after dropping 80 bucks on his very first hand, that always hurts, doesn't it? Ouch. Yep, yep. Uh, I was able to build it back up to 290. I'm not even going to say obvious brag there, so I'm happy. Because you lose 80 bucks on that first hand, and you have the mentality to stick with it. I'm going to clap your hand. Yeah, clap. yeah. Oh, that was a golf clap right there. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, up $90 from his starting stack uh, when this happens. Uh, and he says the villain in his hand has a little less than we do when the hand starts. Okay, so I'm covered. 100 gun plus one raises to $7. Four players call. And in the big blind, we look down at Ace-5 offsuit. And we have Ace-5? Yep. Oh, man. I'm just, I don't know. I... Okay, so if I'm if I'm fold, I'm being a knit for five bucks. So I I don't think I can fold, but I really got to hit this hard to move forward with it. Um, our file says Ace Ten. That's why I'm asking. I'm, I'm yeah, I think of, I, I might have picked the wrong hand. So let's just oh, go with okay. Um, it. Okay. Embarrass me in front of the anti Nation. No, I love embarrassing you. That's my whole point on being in the show. That's what I'm here for. Um, so I, 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 I picked the wrong hand. I just put the wrong. You know, because there's a lot of Ace Ten hands. Like the yeah, they like to call it the Cassandra. But I'm looking um, at the I'm looking at the actual hand. It is Ace Five off. Okay, so uh, let's see. Four callers, 
So that's 28 bucks in there. 29 plus my two is 30. So yeah, six to one on an ace five, but it's offsuit. You said offsuit, yes. Ace five offsuit. Okay, so I mean, I'll, I'll take a fly for five bucks. I mean, I'm not going to be a nit, but I really got to hit it hard, like aces up or some sort of four to a flush, and I have the aces. You know, something like that. It, this isn't a hand I would like to play. You know, I'm I I want to uh, remember a moment when I was at Foxwoods covering the WPT, and there was a guy who loved to play A6 because if the wheel came, he could really shove it in someone's face and go, ah, you know, I got the straight to the six. Now, he literally, like, talked to the table about that. And I'm not going to say who the player was. It was a pro. And I just thought, wow, how did you even I, – I said, I could see Ace-5, but how do you even get involved with A6 offsuit? You know what I mean? But some of the hands these guys would play, it was crazy. So in this case, I can make a wheel with my two cards. Uh, it won't be the nut wheel because, obviously, someone could have – a different hand, but right. um, I'm well, gonna. Be the nut wheel, but it wouldn't be the nut. Right, it wouldn't be the nut. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna play this hand, but I'm just gonna, you know, put a little warning up and say, hey, caveat emptor, um, you know, buyer beware. So English only at the table, Chris. All right, I'm putting in five bucks, and I'm hoping to hit two pair or the nut flush draw or something because I don't really like this ace five business. When I have an ace, I want Broadway cards or I want wheel cards. Um, right. It, it seems odd to say that, but those wheel cards can actually um, flop pretty big as well, too. Um, but to play with those, those wheel cards, I need to be in the right spot, and um, this is the perfect spot, I think. You know, we're closing out the betting here. You're right, it's five bucks. That's six to one. Um, I'm looking for two pair better. I'm not excited about an ace, a naked ace. That's not going to be good for me. Um and if a five high comes, that's not too good. I mean, I guess it is because it helps out of the straight. But um, so, yeah, we have to hit that hard. But I'm willing to take the five bucks. And if I don't hit it hard, you know, another hand after this. But uh, I think it's five bucks is a good investment for us. Do you know if the small blind was one of those callers? That's I did not say that. So uh, I mean, that's what I would be con- concerned with if it came like two, three, four. Because I'm like, well, five, six could be out there more likely if a small blind limped along than, say, someone in position with a raise. With You know what I mean? It happens. Well, People it didn't really cards. limp because it was a raise. Or whatever, so, you know what I mean? It came along. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that'd be less likely there. I mean, I don't know whether we make that call with that hand here in the big blind, and um, certainly the small blind, you're calling an extra dollar on top of it. So, But you're right. I mean, there is something to be a little bit concerned about there. But um, for right now, I'm happy flopping the, the wheel here. That'd be that would be the best case scenario for me, I think. But. Don't embarrass me in front of the Any of Nation, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> we're even now. All right, we're even. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Our hero says, with $5 to call into around a $30 pot and closing out the action, I go ahead and call knowing I had to smash the flop to continue. All right. Yay, we're all on board. We're the three amigos today, so far. Uh, he says, well, the flop is ace of clubs, eight of hearts, five of hearts. And it looks like the small blind was not one of the callers because it's on us first. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, we like aces up, obviously. Uh, Ace eight is really the only hand that we're likely trailing. Um, hard to imagine Ace eight came along for a raise, but it could have been a suited Ace eight. Then someone's there, so there, that hand is a possibility. There is a wheel draw out there for anybody being crazy there is a straight draw for somebody with like six seven so there are hands to protect against not to mention two hearts so i like to bet out here to believe it or not i don't want to check and let all these guys stick around for something i, I don't care that i'm out it's donk bet i don't care that i'm out of position i like to bet into a here's the thing and i'm gonna go I, often i go back to this super system stuff you know now, his way of playing and the way it was back then is a little different than it is today, but a lot of those fundamentals still hold true. The person who raised before this flop was under the gun plus one. He's supposed to have a hand there, or she. That right. person is supposed to have a hand there. That is not somebody just fooling around with seven, eight. That They're supposed to have a hand. So generally when you're raising under the gun or under the gun plus one, you're raising with you know, kings, queens, ace-king, ace-queen, that kind of hand. Any one of those hands other than aces, and you're going to think aces are less likely now because you have one, the board has one, you know, the last two are in one guy's hand, probably not. So you're thinking to yourself, 
Are that guy supposed to have like ace king here? Or are you supposed to have kings here? Now, if he had kings, I might check. But if he has ace king, we're probably going to get a stack. So I know you told me there's a villain that we have covered. So I'm assuming the rest of you are going to fold no matter what happens. Or one person's going to bet and we're going to call and everyone's going to fold, whatever. So I'm assuming that's what's going to happen here. But if the villain that's remaining <coughs> is the guy that you know made this initial raise to seven, if he has ace king, we're going to get his stack probably as long as another eight doesn't come or a king. So this is where I bet into him because he's going to be like, seriously, if you have a better ace than me, you're trying to steal this spot? Well, I'll come over the top of you with my ace king, you know, ace's top kicker, and then you get it in with him, and then you've got his deck. So especially in these one-two games, they watch poker on TV, and they think they're supposed to shove all time anyway. So I think that betting out here might be a fun way to play this hand because checking just allows five other people or four other people in this hand to see a free card if they wanted to, if it works out that way. Like the guy said, oh, I got all these callers. I couldn't fool anybody. I'm not betting this board. Or I have kings. I'm afraid of that ace. I'm checking it. And then all of a sudden it gets to the turn and every draw gets there. You know, like the nine of hearts or the six of hearts right. or something. So to me, I would like to bet now. If I took it down with an ace five out of position in the blind, you get 30 bucks for that? I'd be happy in a one-two game. So I'm going to make a bet here. And I'm probably going to bet pretty decent too. I'm going to probably bet like 25 or so. 2025, and I and I think that uh, that will thin the field enough that I might get to the he- the only razor to stay in, or I might get one other person trying to draw. And if blank comes on the turn, I'm really putting the pedal down. I mean, I know I got two pair, and you want to get value for it, but this is a pretty wet, pretty wet board because people play any two cards, and especially when it's a minimal raise like this. You know, when you're playing one two or one three on the ship, you know, you're you're making raises to 12, 15, 20 sometimes pre-flop. This is seven bucks, so any two cards can be out there, and I want to put them away right now. All right, I have to agree with everything you said there. So wow, boring. that never happens. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: is that yeah, you're right. I'm going to have to. Uh, my assumption again is ace king, ace queen, something like that from the under the gun plus one. And if that's the case, I don't want to stick around and let them hit their kicker, right? So, um, you know. I guess you could you could make an argument for check raise, but I I'm really down on the check raise now. I just don't I've never been a big fan of it, and and if we're wrong, it gets checked around. That's a, a dangerous here point for us here too. So I like the big lead out. I I would do twenty five bucks just like you said, and you know if we are up against Ace King, we're probably going to get raised, and that's great because and that shuts everybody else out, and now we're heads up. Now we just have to fade the. If we're right on that read, we have to fade the um, the eight or the king, the kicker on the next couple ones. So. Yeah. But, but I like where we are right now, and, um, you know, I want those hearts shut out. I want the weird straight shut out, and I want to get heads up against an ace that doesn't have a, another pair with it. So, yeah. All right. Our hero stays on the ante up train, Chris. Oh, good. No intention of getting cute here. I lead out for $25. Oh, that's funny. One caller who is not the preflop raiser, by the way, he says. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Turn is the Ten of Diamonds, so our board now is Ace of Clubs, Eight of Hearts, Five of Hearts, Ten of Diamonds, and of course we are first to act again. Well, now I'm worried because we talked about Ace Ten earlier, so about it being on the file. Now I'm wondering if somebody has Ace Ten and we're screwed. Uh, Pezzy's from my area, too. Maybe it was a hand against me. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, geez. Well, I mean, I, I the, the show's over. I mean, the the, the ruse is up. We, we're, they know we have a hand. We bet it. And they just called, so I'm not going to not bet again. I, I don't think checking, because checking just gives that free shot again at the cards we were trying to protect against last hand. So anybody who calls our bet likely has a draw or has an ace like us. So unless he's got aces up, you know, uh, I think we're still good. So the draws didn't get there. So let's let's continue to bet. So we bet 25 last, so that's 50 on top of the 30. So that's 80. So I don't know, 60? Yeah, it sounds about right. Somewhere between 50 and 60 would work for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I can't disagree, I think. we got to keep it up. Um, you know, if, it, if it's a king or queen, I might be a little less likely to do it, but I think I'd still have to bet. The 10 scares me a lot less. Um, so I'm still going to bet here, and I certainly don't want to give him a free card to get the other kicker. Um, and if for some reason he's sticking around with hearts, he didn't get a heart, so I want to make him keep paying for that as well, too, so. 
Um, all right, our hero leads for tw- uh, $55. We so. <laughs> said 50 to 60, I said 60. At some point, wow. one of us is going to have to deviate, because this is unfortunate. Yeah, because we're all going to lose. <laughs> or we're all going to win. One for all, or all for none. Or <laughs> Okay, Musketeer, let's go. <laughs> uh, all right, our opponent thinks for a minute and raises to 155 with $100 behind. Ugh. Man, uh, uh, it's so easy to say fold when you're doing hand of the week because you know hands of the week almost always end up horribly for us. But if I'm in the moment, I got aces up, I'd have to think long and hard about this fold now. Another 100. So there's basically 200 plus the 50, so there's 250 plus so there's 280. almost 300 in the pot. So I got a 3 to 1 on my money with aces up. You know, they say don't go broke with uh, just one pair. So this is two pair. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. Ace-10, no. I keep thinking about that stupid Ace-10 now. Um, God. I don't know. I, this is a feel thing for me. I I really think that, yep. Yep. you know, I mean, I, he's not bluffing here, I don't think. I mean, we we bet out and bet out out of position and called a race free flop. He's got to know we have an Ace at least. So he's he's... If he had ace ten, would he raise us here? He probably would because he want he probably thinks that either he's not going to get more money out of us or maybe we're betting a flush draw the whole way, and he's trying to to no because he just called. See if he had a really good ace before, he might have bet more. If he had ace ten, he might have just called. Uh, this is tough. This is tough. Well, I mean, we're really narrowing his hand to the exact hand that beats us, though. You know, other than ace eight. Um. Uh, three to one of my money. Just given the nature of hand of the week, I would fold. But if I'm in the moment, I'm probably just shoving or calling, whatever. I, I don't know what I, I started with. What, how much did I still read? We started with one. Uh, 290. Oh, 290. Yeah. So, eh. yeah, I mean, that's we're down to 55, and then 25 is 70, 80, and then 87. So we're already down to 200 now if we call another 100. So we're down to our initial. No, we bought in for two, so oof. We're down a hundred. Just, just, and we got on the street after this too. So, I don't know. I don't like calling. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I like calling for pot control, but this pot's already bloated. And I was just gonna say this too. I was like, you know, how hard it is to to play in a one-two game with two hundred bucks in one hand yeah, of just yeah. regular betting. This is regular betting, and yep. your money's almost gone. Yep. Um, but I feel like it's either a shove or a fold. I I, I don't know about calling because then you're just gonna have to on the river. Another bet. And I don't think he's going anywhere if you shove either, so I'm not really sure what to do here. This is really confusing to me. I don't want to fold just because it's hand of the week. You know what I mean? I, I really feel like if I had aces up and I was in the moment, I would really have to read this guy and really feel like I'm beat to fold. So, I don't know. I feel like a call is weird, though. Because if you call, you'll have 100 left. And unless it's some really incredibly scary card for this guy, he's going to put us all in on the turn on the river. Yeah, I think at this point I'm like, you know, you can make make a what I would consider a weak argument. I probably made it in the past. <laughs> I was a weaker player. That you save that hundred bucks, and then you're allowed to get out if a card doesn't come that you like. The only card that's going to come that way you're going to like is another five, though, right? right? Another five. This doesn't change anything for us. So, um, you know, at that point, I mean, now now we're down to a two outer to feel comfortable about it. Um, so if I fold at that point, I'm not going to respect myself in the morning. So at this point, I think, yeah, I think if we're going to call this, this is a we shove right now and get it in and just hope for the best. So um, a couple of things about how the action went that I think are interesting. Again, we're in a one-two game. Um, you know, pros are on 18 levels. It might be different. But in a typical one-two game, um, if our opponent here, we don't know where he was in the action is what's unfortunate. But um I, I don't see him not raising our flop bet with ace eight, a set of eights or a set of fives, because the hearts are out there and you want to protect against that. Um, could be wrong on that, but that makes it less likely in my mind. Um, pocket aces may not be that much worried about it, but I, I can't imagine this pocket aces if somebody raised a seven and then just called. So those three hands I think are much less likely. So now what I'm wondering is now he's deciding to raise. So that 10, what would make him do that? Ace 10 would now make him do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably mm-hmm. wouldn't raise with just that ace. I don't think. I think he'd, he would take the risk that, um, 
you know, his eight, his 10 wasn't that great kicker anyhow. And if Hart's got there, then he could fall pretty easily, right? So, but ace 10 makes a lot of sense now. Um, and pocket 10s. Um, you know, I don't know whether pocket 10s would have stuck around with that ace there. They probably skip on the hearts. That would be tough. So now I'm really, really down to ace 10 as being the only hand that I'm really worried about. And unfortunately, it's a likely hand, right? So, yeah. Yeah, um, if I went through that process, I would fold. And we, we kind of went through that process together, but we went, we tried to think of everything. But I would, if I really went through the process you did and I put them on that, hey, if Mike McDermott can fold two pair when somebody opens an Oreo, then I can fold two pair when somebody comes alive on the turn and bets, raises me. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like a fold really is an order. It's just hard to let go of aces up in a 1-2 game when anybody could be playing anything. You know, I mean, the guy could have 8-5 for all we know, or 10-8. So, you know. But here's the thing. I think, here, here's what we really have to think about. All right, so we put 55 in now, right? That's all we've committed right now on this street. If we call it another 100, if we shove, it's going to be another... 200. 200, right? Right. The fact that the, the most likely hand here is ace-10, I don't know if I want to wager another 200 on on that. I hate I hate getting it narrowed down to one hand, but I, I don't know what else is going on here. Nothing else makes sense to me, unless this player is really bad. Yeah, this yeah. is this is the story thing. We always talk about the yeah. story they're telling you. I mean, unless this guy from the beginning said, "I'm going to come along and wake up on the turn, no matter what this guy does," because you know, and just happens to make sense that story. There's no way if, he's telling us a story that he had a decent ace, so he called the raise, he hit the ace. We bet into him. He said, all right, I'm going to call to see if this guy's on a draw. When the blank comes on the turn and then actually gives him aces up, now he's like, oh, the guy bet into me again? Well, now I'm much more confident that I have the best hand because even if he had ace-king, now I've caught up. If he had ace-eight, I've caught up. If he had ace-five, I caught up. If he had a flush draw, I'm, I was way ahead. Now I'm crushing him. So, you know, maybe that's it. Uh, and so, yeah, you narrow it down to what hand could do this that's not a pure bluff or a flush draw with the ace of hearts. You know, that's the only hand that, to me, if he has the ace of hearts and then, you know, hmm. and some other yeah. heart. All right, that's interesting. That's the only hand that I could think where he's saying, I'm going to raise here and then get it, take it down. If not, I'm semi-bluffing with the river. The river could be a heart. And then, I mean, that does make sense now, because that's a hand that would stick around for our bet on the flop, right? Right. And, then, and even though the 10 doesn't Im- improve him, oh, it could be the ace of hearts, 10 of hearts. That hand. Right. If- Hit right could be ace ten of hearts too, which would be, he have a monster. Oh yeah, but, that'd be so sick. And at that point, maybe you don't even raise. So I'm gonna put him on the I'm gonna put him the ace of hearts and like the ten of the clubs, and then just say that it's such a specific hand, and we really really worked hard at this, and I think it's worth a fold now. Now that we've talked talked it out even more, I'm probably folding because I if if I can put him on that hand, then I'm not gonna try to draw to a two out of my whole stack. So it's true. And um, and and in the moment, I'm probably sure I wouldn't have done that much thinking on it. So yeah. I would probably be all in right now. So I, I guess we'll see whether it's better to think a lot or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Our hero says after going to the tank for what felt like forever, uh, probably more to my fellow players. Okay. So he did. He did do the thought then. Yeah. I decided to either shove or fold here. I simply don't think I can just call because his last 100 is likely going in on the river anyway. So we're all in agreement so far. Ooh, this is so interesting. I figure him playing it this way. The only real hands I'm behind are ace-10, certainly likely, or 10-10, less likely but possible. I have to figure if he has ace-ace, he plays very differently pre-flop. 8-8, or ace-8 has to raise my $25 flop bet with two hearts up there. Wow, does he listen to the show or what? It's hilarious. Uh, he says, at least I know I, at least I know I would have. Uh, multiple players behind him to act. So thinking I'm beating more hands than not, flush draws with a 10, worst two pairs, etc., I decide to push it all in. And uh, we finally differ, although we did say we could have gone that way, so we really didn't differ yeah. much from what he said. Well, we did say the flush draws with a 10. That's that's likely. Yeah. Um, uh, or flush draws with an ace, like you said, too. Right, so, right. Uh, worst two pairs, I, I'm not seeing that at all. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Ace-8 probably would have bet, like you said, raised us, and Ace-5 is... I mean, ace five is possible. The same hand as us, I guess. Same yeah. hand, yeah. But he would have but, yeah, probably woken eight, up. Eight five, eight ten. Those hands aren't aren't yeah. all raises. Yeah, so. I don't think so. Um, all right. Uh, while our opponent doesn't snap call, uh, when when he doesn't snap call, I let out a yippee in my head. 
tanks for about a minute before calling, tossing in his last four green ships. The river is the six of diamonds. I say two pair. He says, me too. Ugh. Heart sinks. A bit worried. Ace eight, ace ten are the purely soul-crushing ace six is about to flip over. But he tables eight five and <gasps> in a nearly $600 pot. No way. Eight five. We won. And we would have folded. <laughs> Wow, eight five. Eight five. That's why he put worst two pairs in the thing because he knew <laughs> worst two pair was entirely possible. Uh, I, I yeah, wow, I, I'm stunned on that. You know, a seven dollar bet, and you call it ace eight five. I mean, and wow. I mean, I can see people just calling I mean, the flop after bet. That then the rest of the hand makes sense. Yes, because you've got two pair there. Although I probably would have raised that weaker two pair. Definitely would have. I mean, that's the same reason I, I didn't put them on a set there. You don't want to leave that those hearts sticking around. Yep. Or since somebody called a raise with eight five, then easily six seven could be out, and somebody has straight draws. So you want to, you know what I mean? You don't want that either. Oh man! Wow. And we would have folded. That sucks. I mean, that's a bold raise on the turn then, because we we could have been sitting on ace ten. We could have thought, hey, our ace is good, and we're going to lead out on the flop, and then we could have improved. We could have had a set of fives in a small blind, like a big blind like that, calling five dollars. Yeah, I mean, all those hands that we discounted because he didn't raise, he can't discount discount because we were the leading better. Right, right. Wow. Wow, that's sick. Eight five. Well, that's great. We won. That's a huge hand. Oh, Mike, here's here's what you know. Um, Stephen Bloomfield, our mental guy, says the walk around, do a lap around the room when you get in, get ready. I suggest you do take his advice, take a lap around the room, and see where this guy is sitting. <laughs> Specifically asked for that table, because this, this, oh, man. But you know what, though? You know as well as I do, you say it often on the show, you don't want to play players like this, because they're just, they, they overvalue their hands, they over, you know, you know, and you think they've got this incredible well, hand, you fold, and then you didn't have it. Maniac and, a, and a, just a player that's reckless. This player is just reckless. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. It makes it a little bit harder now because we He made us fold. An 8 5 here. Yeah. But he didn't make Mike fold, so now we know. I <laughs> know. Uh, well, worked for uh, Mike. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't like playing against maniacs that play this stuff, but I, I don't mind playing against people that just don't know how to play this stuff now. I mean, so I don't know. Wow. I'd be happy seeing it at this table now. Wow. Well, Mike, congratulations. Uh, you're a better player than I am there, buddy. I, I well, think hung I right like into a... it right with us until the end, and then yeah. proved it was were... It was pretty insane how similar Perfect. everything. Yeah. Hey, I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. And we'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>